Tim, episode 22 of the Stats of Matter podcast is here. We're going to recap Thursday Night Football. We're going to go over what happened in the NBA Conference Finals. We're going to preview the NBA Finals now that Game 1 is already in the books. We're going to begrudgingly congratulate those damn Tampa Bay Lightning on their Stanley Cup victory. We're going to discuss a little postseason baseball, and we're going to bring back an oldie but goodie topic, Top 5. You guys know you can find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find us on social media at Stat Podcast and at Stats Don't Matter. Thank you very much for all the love and support. Let's get into the show. So I don't know if you guys noticed that the name of our last episode was uh, the Jets are still terrible. And Thursday Night Football was direct proof of this. Uh, not only did the Jets not get their first victory, so I was wrong on that prediction. I think they systematically imploded on national TV. Uh, Vic Fangio was always going to take some heat for the fact that the Broncos allowed Sam Darnold to run right through them for a 46-yard touchdown, and there were some of the weakest, we're talking like Pop Warner tackle uh, efforts that were going on there. But from there, it was pretty much all the Broncos. Uh, this game had really not a lot of fun to it, unless you're a fan of either team. And, I mean, for the Broncos, like their third-string quarterback got a win in a game that he tossed three interceptions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the joke last night was, well, let's go ahead and just make sure – that we're not going to put um, Rippian's bust in the Hall of Fame out just yet because uh, <laughs> it, it did not happen. Greg Williams talks all this trash about how Jamal Adams is going to be bored in Seattle. He needed a guy like that desperately last night. Um, they were lucky that they got those three interceptions. One of those was returned for a touchdown, so that helped the Jets' defense. But last night was flag football. There were almost 20 penalty flags thrown for over 200 yards. The Jets had 11 of them. Every drive was kept alive seemingly by a roughing the passer, a pass interference, illegal contact, false start. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was sort of a mixed bag outing for his first outing, but some of those penalties, especially late in the game, I know it, it, it sort of caused the game to be a little contentious towards the end of it, but it was messy all the way around. There were some points that, you know, or, or sometimes during the game where the Jets made it a little interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, those three picks, including the pick six, you're like, oh, okay, well, he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to find a way to, you know, give this game up, even though he sort of made it interesting going into this part. And then the Jets just became the Jets. And I, I genuinely feel bad. I really do, because I can't put this one on Sam. That man was running for his life the entire night it was just every time he turned around he was getting hit in the face or having to scramble we did get 2020's version of the butt fumble last night where he was getting chased out of the pocket going backwards and then just seemingly tripped or fell over nobody it was like somebody was knelt behind him and someone came up and pushed him over except there was nobody kneeling or anybody behind him <laughs> um so it's uh, tough, and, and you could see it. They're all just so just rejected right now. When you look on the sidelines, they're just they, – they can't seem to pull it together. Um, not a terrible outing for him. He wasn't as accurate as you would hope, but when you're constantly under pressure, there's only so much that you can do uh, if your offensive line's just, you know, not keeping you in the game. 23 for 42 obviously we've sort of talked about that every single week you have to be more accurate than that 
He did make a lot of them count. He didn't throw any interceptions, which obviously is an improvement over the first couple of weeks. But again, if your offensive line isn't doing anything, you're just you're you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time. Uh, if you can't win a game where you turn where you get three turnovers and one of those you bring back for six points, then I said it last week. I have no literally no hope for these New York teams. Um, you kind of hope they figured out. He looks really, really sad. And now that you're starting to hear the grumbling of, you know, tanking and let's bring in, you know, another quarterback. And I, I feel for the guy that was, that was a bad loss, but that one doesn't live on him. Also. Yeah. If anybody watched the post game of that, that coverage, I won't, I won't throw any specific broadcasts under the bus, but that was some cringy, cringy broadcast uh, i know we're all getting used to these zoom style you know feed-ins and things like that but man if i was so uncomfortable watching the the postseason after that game i literally turned it off and walked away it was it was it was bad you had one guy who couldn't recall the names i do it all the time but i'm also not on tv he couldn't recall the, the games so he would just call a number and then say yeah, yeah that guy doesn't even deserve a name <laughs> or like one guy was trying to defend all of the hard tackles with like a minute and a half left when the game was over. Yeah. Uh, um, saying that you should just stop the defense. If you don't want your guy getting hit like that, it's like, come on, man, the game's over. Like you, they're in garbage time. You have a rookie quarterback just calling plays to get a feel for his offense. So it was, I don't know. The whole the whole thing felt weird. It felt very much in line with what that game was last night. It was a bit of a shit show. To see the, the broadcast afterwards kind of follow suit, but tough loss for the Jets. Uh you wonder when they're gonna go into full on tank mode, but I have a feeling it's gotta it's gonna come soon. Yeah. Whew. All right. That was Thursday night football recap. Let's head into the NBA. We we are now in the NBA finals. So of course we got to talk about the conference finals. I'll just give a quick update on the Celtics. As we always do, we like to pour one out for the Boston teams that uh, fell short in the postseason. It seems to be both teams are struggling in the bubble. Um, Danny Ainge did say that Kemba Walker just wasn't himself, which of course his, the stats that he was putting up, that, that would tell you that, but I don't really believe that um, the Celtics did fall to the heat four to two in the Eastern conference finals. And given the effort that the Celtics, had in two of those games which were wins um there's nothing else to say other than i'm just extremely disappointed um the heat are now limping in the nba finals like a wounded animal <laughs> because the celtics were beating them up when they needed to uh if the, if the celtics had gotten their shit together for a couple of those earlier games this could have gone to game seven it really could yeah. have and anyone not named marcus smart who wasn't throwing their body out there on the line every single time fouling out when he needed to like the gelling that we thought was going to occur with this team did yep. not. And then they had injuries. So, you know, Hayward wasn't there for the majority of their run up. And then when he got back in, he was like having limited minutes. It just seemed like they believe, okay, we can get the momentum back. And now like looking forward, like Tatum's obviously going to sign a, my, a max contract and Hayward's option for this year is 34 million. So no other team's going to pay him that. So you're going to get pretty much the same team going into next year that you had. And you got some draft picks and the team's young core is great but we really needed it to show this season and the to and fro levels of effort just kind of make me a little worried for what we're going to see going forward. Remember we don't have LeBron in the East anymore. Yeah. Oh, the Raptors don't have Kawhi anymore. 
now Doc is coaching the 76ers. Like, you, you don't have too many more of these moments where, as a team, you can capitalize. And I don't care that you make it to the Eastern Conference Finals every year if you lose in six. doesn't matter. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of, you know, media and fandom calling for, like, the exit of Marcus, Marcus Smart, which doesn't make any sense to me because he was Zippo. one of, for me, yeah, his, his shooting accuracy was kind of all over the place, but defensively, he was one of the game changers in there. Like, he generated a lot of energy. He generated a lot of defense on that side of the ball. So that part doesn't seem to make sense. It's like all we care about now is is the three-point shot and – you know, posterizing somebody. All the other parts of basketball seem to have taken a backseat to those, which is, in my opinion, just just unfair. Uh, it was disappointing to see uh, they would put strings together and they would look great, uh, obviously, but then they would blow double-digit leads for some of the strangest, you know, possessions and some of the some of the strangest decisions. And when you had guys like Tatum going entire first half without any points. Like he puts up 10 points in the first half and it's a very different ball game. Like that's, that's a win in early multiple on, games. Yeah. Early on, uh, those, you know, the two games that they lost where they coughed up 20 point leads, 15 point leads in the beginning, hold on to one of those. I actually think they win that series. So they finished it very much like the series went where they just forgot what they were doing and, you know, let the heat run away with it. But, I think they're a team that shows some promise. Um, I always have sort of mixed emotions when I see some of these big name, big name players come back. Like, you know, when Gordon came back, not that he was the reason that anything happened, but the team tends to play a little bit better when they're sort of down and out and their backs are against the wall. So, um, I don't know what next season looks like. I, I think most of those guys are set to stay. I hope most of them stay. I think if we can just play more consistent basketball, I think we'll make – I mean, we, we can't complain too much. We, we fell just short of going to the NBA Finals, and this is very much in sort of that, that Boston mindset where we're like, oh, my God, it was a, it was a failure. No, it was a fantastic season in some uncertain circumstances. We – held on well enough um we just just didn't capitalize when it actually mattered and we got beat by a team who in my opinion is just gonna get smoked by the lakers so just yeah to the, just to the lakers you're welcome yeah yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, i think we we beat up the little kid and took his lunch money from him so right yeah. at this point like any anything they're gonna get is, is a is a moral victory at that but of course that uh that you you, you talk about that and and i'll just quickly say that the nuggets while they end up losing to the Lakers, who are going to be the eventual NBA champions, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. You have a lot to build off of there. And going forward, I expect them to be a very, very dangerous team. Um, Murray won't be able to carry the load for them every single game next year, and I think Jokic will yep. step up, and and that will definitely make that team and that conference, uh, you know, especially in the West, very difficult as well. So what, yeah. what, what happened in game one, Tim? Yeah, uh, that series, I mean, we just recapped the Celtics a little bit just because we didn't get to it earlier in the week. So um, in between all that, the Heat-Lakers series has hit its jump-off point, and the Lakers seeking their seventh title is off to a uh, fantastic head start. That game, uh, if you didn't watch it, but you just looked at the score at the end of the game, is not indicative of what that game actually was. That was a 
beat down by the Lakers. Um, they started off the game trailing 13 points early on, uh, and then they came back, and once they took the lead, they not only never gave it up, but they just destroyed the Heat. At one point, they were leading by 32 points. Um Again, the score's not really lining up to what it was because you ended up having a lot of garbage time, guys who were in putting in minutes that wouldn't normally be in in those positions. Um, coach after the game said the early uh, the early deficit had more to do with some of the pick-and-roll coverage that they were failing to cover, but they, he did mention that they made some adjustments calling guys off the bench who stepped up and ultimately made... Uh, some pretty big changes story though is lebron and davis just doing their thing again uh they both combined for 50 plus points double digit rebounds double digit assists uh davis actually putting himself in some pretty good company in his finals debut the only other players that have scored higher in their first appearance uh, their first appearance in uh, nba finals is uh, a guy named kevin durant guy named iverson and a one michael jordan uh davis is 30 yeah davis is 34 points falls just behind them jordan had uh durant had 36 back in 2012 iverson had 48 which is pretty impressive back in 2001 and Jordan had put up another 36 back in, in 1991. So uh, not bad company. It's a great outing. We knew those two were going to carry that team throughout the entire playoffs. We knew that those guys, in fact, on the very last podcast where we talked about this, we said it's going to be very difficult to go up against these guys when your two stars are putting up 60 plus points if you have even minor production off the bench which i get has been a a difficult scenario for the lakers they don't have anybody who can consistently come out you know dwight howard hasn't been great kuzma hasn't been great they've been very inconsistent but they are putting up points and if your two guys can put up 50 or 60 points you just need two or three guys to do a little bit more on their end and it's going to be very very difficult to stop those two guys if you focus all your attention on davis lebron is going to burn you You focus on on lebron davis is going to burn you it's it's just brutal um what doesn't help is the NFL injury bug seems to have jumped ship and caught on in the NBA finals because two guys went out Adebayo and Dragic are both out. Are they both left that game early? And throughout the regular season, the scoring differential is drastically different when those two guys are off the floor at the same time. Uh, Teams score on average 20 or more. I think it might even be 30 or more points when those guys aren't on the floor. So if you're going up against the team where two of their stars are putting up 50 points, 60 points together, and you tend to give up 30 additional points when those guys aren't on the floor, that's a recipe for disaster. Hero, who was the intergalactic shooting star last (laughs) season, who, you know, sprung to the forefront of all the Heat fans and the rest of the league as being sort of this up-and-coming hero. He was only held to 14 points. I say only 14, but that's comparative to what his performance was last uh, in the last series. He was relatively quiet, as were, you know, everybody on the bench pretty much. So you gotta hope those guys come back. If they missed it, if they missed any sort of extended time, which uh Dragic I think ended up being like a high ankle sprain or something you know, that could I think, put him on the sideline. 
Yeah, it was either that or plantar fasciitis. I, th- I think is. Yeah. So- yeah, there was there was something that we need to pay attention to uh, because if they're out of this game and if uh, Adebayo can't get in either, uh, it's over. Like it's really you can't give up you know, a potential 20 to 30 points to the opposing team. If you're going up against the team, like you'll struggle against anybody, but a team like the Lakers and it's just, it, it won't even be close. I've been saying the whole time. I thought the heat were going to get smoked. Start all the, the heat fans out there. Um, I, there's too much on their end that has to work perfectly a hundred percent of the time in order to overcome that team. If the Lakers give up, any of them i think they only give up maybe one game and that's if they start getting into some of this load management you know rest time but i otherwise i think that i think this one's i think that was a quick preview into what the rest of the this series is going to look like yeah yeah i would i would say that my last comment on this is that the writing is on the wall already you, you have some injuries are coming up and um maybe the celtics weren't able to to do what uh what was well we know they weren't able to do what was needed to be yes. done which was you know, stop the bleeding. But if Hero doesn't go off for 30 points every single night, you, you don't really have much of a chance once you begin to lose some of your top tier players. And that depth that they have makes it look like it can be evaporated at any moment. And the Lakers at this point don't have anything to vie for except for their yep. 17th Larry Brown and, and they want to make it. And yep. I, I read something from Yahoo Sports the other day that said that LeBron got upset at the, at the team for kind of being cocky after they had that 30-point swing in game one, which means to me that there's blood in the water and the Sharks are about to thrash. <laughs> so yeah. uh, rest in peace to the the heat chances. It, it was good, but I don't think it's going to go very far. Yeah, and I, Spolstra knows it after, in his post games. You know, he understands and, and came out and said, you know, we're much better than what we showed last night. You got to credit the Lakers. So, like – he understands that as he knows the team that's going up, there's a lot of talk going on. You know, you'll see interviews everywhere about how much LeBron respects Spolstra and, and what that relationship is. So everyone's saying this isn't Lakers versus Heat. It's basically him versus LeBron. So and I think, you know, as much as I want to say this is this will be an interesting series going forward, I actually don't think it will. Um, I saw some stats on viewership that show this is one of the lowest viewed uh, finals in NBA history, or at least for a very, very long time. So I think a lot of people are in that same boat. We know what's coming. I think they know what's coming. They're just going to try and make as much of a game out of it to save face as they can. But rip to the heat. Yep. Yes, indeed. Because if you're going to go, you know, LeBron versus head coaches, I mean, LeBron's undefeated. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, there's a new head coach. So I, it's not yeah. going to work well for Eric Spolstra. All right. Lord Stanley's Cup uh, it was in the bubble. Two cities, east and west, Edmonton and Toronto, finally came together. And those damn Tampa Bay Lightning won. Uh, they won Lord Stanley's Cup in a series that was decided four to two. Uh, doubt uh tampa bay in in their uh efforts will go ahead and win their second championship and i got some question for the dallas stars uh we had talked on one of the earlier pods about the fact that like look you go to ot you win some ot games you have the legs behind you like you need to keep keep the pressure up or you're just going to get kind of washed out to sea um in game five they won a game in in two ot but then they got shut out in game six and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that the lightning are very very good 
but they have taken the lightning have taken so many lumps uh in the postseason in like the last like decade right like they lost to the number eight seed last year they've lost um in game six of the stanley finals before they've lost in the eastern conference finals like when it comes down to the wire not Mm -hmm. to not one but two teams so you look at all that and you're just kind of thinking Yes, Dallas is playing with house money, and they weren't supposed to make it. And it was a Cinderella story. But at some point, the Cinderella story evaporates, and you have to show up and actually skate your heart out and really you know, flood the boards, like, like we said, and just try and make sure that you can overcome that onslaught. And they just fell apart at the most inopportune time. And I, I'm just – I'm not only mad that Tampa Bay you know, won, won the cup because that just solidifies that they're so good, but I think I'm more upset about the fact that a team that – has been able to turn that bad mojo around and mm-hmm. pull a Stanley Cup out of it means that for the foreseeable future, this is one of the most dangerous teams in the NHL. And if you do not put them away in the first round or the second round, they are going to be the dreaded team that you, that you follow in. They've kept the team together for the most part. They've figured out how to gel. They have the chemistry going on. And, oh, by the way, they're scoring points at will. And if they, yes. can, if they, can, shoot, they, if they can shut you out in the postseason when they want to, that is – success unless you are able to put up goals at will against them and as we've seen in this bubble um no team was able to do that so i don't know if it was necessarily the bubble that helped them uh more because i think obviously they have the talent there behind it um but they won a stanley cup for the history books i mean no fans in the stands family and friends weren't allowed to be there until the very very end over thirty thousand COVID 19 tests um and not a single positive like there's so much good to take away from this nhl uh postseason even if the team that won it was not the one that we wanted. I think it goes to show that like the the rebound after a year that bad because the NHL is one of those one of the very few leagues other than maybe baseball where you can sneak in with, you know, a 500 record or somewhere close to a 500 record just cuz there's so many teams and the playoff structure is so wide. So um were they deserving to make it to the playoffs last year? Sure, but you did get bounced early on, so that is indicative of what your skill set actually was, and to see them bounce back. um, It is a weird season. We did only get technically half of a season, so you don't know how that would have panned out if it had gone a full full run. Um, But we had said early on, right from the beginning, when we were talking about who the Bruins would be facing, we said the Canadians and the and the Lightning were the two teams I was most afraid of. I thought they had the most depth. I thought they uh, put up the biggest threat to the rest of not only our division but hockey in general. They just they're they're consistent. They are uh, they, they take no plays off the entire time they're on the ice. So given the rotation, the guys they had, one of their star players was out. No problem. He came back for a game, scored a goal. And then he was out again for the remainder of the, the, uh, the finals. So their team. Yeah. I think we say dangerous going forward, but they've been dangerous for the last two years. So I think it's just going to be status quo for the next, you know, the next few years, at least. Yeah. And I mean, look, what, if you're in the Dallas locker room, and you realize going into game six, like, oh, man, like, I think we really need to make sure we put it down. I bet the Tampa Bay Lightning were in their locker room. Like, we need to get our shit together because everyone already has the story written that we collapse in game six and we we might lose in seven. And we need to control that own narrative. So tonight we're going to go out there. We're going to play like absolute fiends and we're going to make sure that they don't get to control our story. And, you know, 
you got to hand it to them. They, they came up big when it counted. Um, and even if their victory parade wasn't as socially distanced as it probably should have been, uh, you know, again, congrats to Tampa Bay. And, and my last thought on this, look, we know that like there was that period of time where New England like won the World Series and the Larry Brown Trophy and the Stanley Cup and the Super Bowl. And now we know that Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay. Look, if Tampa Bay finds a way to make it to the Super Bowl this year, which is in Tampa Bay with Tampa Tom, I'm out. They, they will officially take over as the most annoying fan base city because they're going to say, you know, like, look, look at what we've done. Like, nah, I don't want to hear none of it. None. <clears throat> All right. We move on to the MLB and this crazy playoff structure that we have in this expanded format. Um, I remember the good old days where the wild card was just that. It was like a one-game playoff, winner takes all, you move on. Uh, no, now we have all the wild card games. Um, we also had a ton of playoff baseball this week because of it. I think from if you're looking history book-wise and you're a, a baseball historian or naturalist, uh, all of these records that quote-unquote are going to go in the books should be expunged going forward because there, there's only this many playoff games this week we set a record wednesday night alone had eight playoff games so then everything going forward is going to be compared to this so in any event off to a already too long marathon start uh with the yankees clocking in at 10 minutes shy of five hours for gameplay and that's in nine innings. That's not even in extra innings. Now, the Yankees and the Red Sox both have reputations for being very slow and putting up really, really long games. But if you factor in an additional hour plus at the first inning for a rain delay, that is half of your day in time spent watching a baseball game, which is the opposite direction of what we're trying to go in. Now, Yankees did take that. They do move on to the ALDS, but if you're trying to bring down or speed up the pace of play, uh, that's that's not it, fam, as the kids would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they did beat the Indians in the, and and they move on. Astros, unfortunately, are also moving on. They took care of the Twins in two games. All of these series are best of three, which is another weird format. Um, but they beat the Twins. The Rays beat the Blue Jays in that series, and they advanced the ALDS for the first time in 12 years. I think the Rays are one of those sneaky teams that are going to, which obviously is going to add to your uh, your thoughts later if, if Tampa continues to move on and and they make it deep into the series. Their fan base is going to be right in there with uh, the Buccaneers and uh, and the Lightning. But um, they move on. It's been 12 years since they've been in the picture. So I remember, you know, they used to be contenders back when they first rolled out those ugly ass jerseys that they now wear. But uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry to our uh, our friend in Florida. You know who you are. Yeah, but good for good for you. We still owe you. We still owe you beers for other things. We'll we'll get this one hooked up too. Um, A's also overcame a terrible losing streak. They lost the last nine games in which a series was on the line, and last night finally broke that 
broke that streak. Uh, they beat the White Sox, took the series two to one, so they move on as well. Uh, so going into last night, if you were a betting man, I'm sure you took that into consideration and probably lost some money. So sorry about that, but good for the A's. I do think that some of the most interesting things we're seeing thus far, um, Cardinals and, and, and the Padres being tied. I mean, Slam Diego for all of their their momentum in season. You know, we, we want to see that kind of get out there. So go ahead, win that game and get yourself fully into you know the next round so we can we can see what you're capable of. Because if not, what is the point of Fernando Tatis Jr. going out there and and you know icing games, you know, up up 10 runs if you don't do it in the postseason against the team. Like, you know, that's villainous. And, you know, I'm not going to say the Dodgers this year, but I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do against the Brewers. So that's not really a shock. Um, we, we will have to see ultimately, but I, I just think we got a lot of good baseball here in like the penultimate stretch. And what I don't want to see <laughs> is these long marathon games that are won nine to eight. I want to, yeah. I want to see some good blowouts. Braves are up two on the Reds. Um, well, up they won that series. They're moving on, and then uh, the other Florida team, the Marlins, uh, with a five to one victory over the Cubs, uh, they go into that series tonight. Tied one and zero. So, man, if Miami and Tampa both make it deep into this playoff picture, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think Florida is going to become. Uh, a cesspool of toxic fans, which follows <laughs> anytime there's some success. Uh, we had it. Uh, we very quickly adopted that poorly in uh, in and around New England. So uh, I'll be glad to hand that mantle back off to. I, I, I would say at this point, we've been out of the picture uh, enough, say for New England, that um, while we make playoff runs, we're not winning like we were, you know, five, eight years ago. So I think that's, been relinquished back to maybe new york or you know texas because they still flash their rings even though they don't want a ring in a million years uh <laughs> so yeah it'll be nice to see another team another another state step in and just be the, the shithole of sports fandom for the rest of us just, just just for like one season though maybe two seasons we're, we're not trying to we're not trying to go any further than that all right I don't want to talk necessarily anymore about baseball. I am ugh, about baseball for a little bit until we see how this kind of comes out. Um, we we do have to go ahead and congratulate the the Yankees for losing that game that allowed Miami to, to go in in the first place. So yeah, way to go, folks. But uh, all right, moving on. Look, we we talked earlier in in some of the pods about top five, right? Top five beers, top five sports teams. And I think that we, you know, almost uh, well, week four starts this week for the NFL. So what we need to do is we need to talk about some of the, the top five NFL players right now. And understand this is a bit of a recency bias, you know, for those who are younger. Maybe you don't have like more than three seasons. Um, we really, really got to take a look because I feel of any of the sports seasons that have happened so far, the NFL feels, even without the fans, um, the most normal. And we are seeing some of the, the biggest good storylines uh, thus far. So um, we'll just take a couple here. Obviously, I'm going to just keep ringing the bell 
for Iron Chef Russell Wilson. Uh, what can you say about the guy? He broke Patrick Mahomes' touchdown record through the first three games. Uh, newsflash, he went on to win MVP that year. Given all the discredit that Russ has has received for, oh, it's the defense that does it, or, oh, you know, he has a couple bad games that seem to kind of poo-poo his stock more than anyone else, or the fact that he's never received an MVP vote except the other night on Sunday Night Football when Chris Collinsworth said, oh, I, I voted for Russ. But I sent my ballot in late. What? Turn that in on time. But Russell Wilson right now is just one one of the best players uh, in the league. He can pretty much take down NFL leading defenses like the Patriots from last year. He can go ahead and whoop up on bad teams when he needs to. And he plays in one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest division in football right now, which is the NFC West. He's got Kyler Murray, Kyle Shanahan, and Aaron Donald. So, to me, he is one of the top five players in the NFL right now. I would say he's top two, not two. So I'll let you read read between the lines on that one. But he is just – he's fantastic. And I think that Seattle has understood for a long time that he is a great player. And now he's finally sort of been able to open Pandora's box. And we find out that there's actually a lot of good things in there, not bad things. So we just need to keep this up. Yeah, I think uh, I have to lean your way with that a little bit. I do think right that now hurt. he's in yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I actually, I, I like, I like Russell. Um, obviously, as as a Pats fan, it, it stings a little bit, but I I can get behind solid players, and I think he's uh, in the running. You know. Not quite by landslide, but I think he's got a pretty significant lead on the MVP, at least for this year. Um, he is just a, a stat machine right now when it comes to uh, the offensive side of the ball. Um, taking care of it, not turning over as much uh, as some of the other guys. But, yeah, he's he leads in passing touchdown percentages he leads in uh net yards per pass attempts he's uh just slinging the ball all over the place he looks really really accurate this season it's moving pretty well so i can as much as it pains me i can get i can get behind that i guess that's fine yeah that's fine and <laughs> we're gonna stay in the nfc west here for just a minute um, I, I just want to, I don't want to really want to, you know, stick the knife in, in the wound, but uh, I mean, he was taken at 75th overall in the third round of that, of that draft. And the Eagles who had Andy Reid at the time called John Schneider and said, yeah, that was a good pick. Cause we would have taken him. The Eagles yeah. franchise history would have been vastly different had, had that come to pass. And uh, I'm not sorry about it. His uh, passer, his passer rating right now is 139. That's unreal. Yeah, he's Mr. Unlimited. That's what he calls himself. We're going to stay in the NFC West. Another one of these top players, uh, Aaron Donald, or as, Sam, as Tim likes to refer to him, Sam Donald, uh, <laughs> even though they are vastly different people. Um, look, this man, oh, man, he is one of the ultimate disruptors in the game today. I understand that players like J.J. Watt for a long time were sort of given the mantle. Hey, this is the most disruptive defensive player in the NFL. Aaron Donald has taken that mantle and he is not giving it back until someone takes it from him. And I think he understands it. And I think most defenses, um, sorry, most offenses understand that when they see him out there on the defensive line, they always have to consciously kind of chip another guy to take care of him, not to take him out of the mm -hmm. game because 
as we saw with Dallas, he, he can just go through three people. He can just throw someone back. It doesn't matter. Um, you have to find ways to beat him. And if you give up one sack, that's a good day against Aaron Donald. Uh, and, and you already see it going through. He is just a force out there. Whether or not he breaks the bank in his next contract extension, like there is no decline that we've seen from this guy whatsoever. And every time Seattle plays the Rams, I am like quivering in my boots. He he just does things for that Rams team that keep them alive. Uh, if he if the Rams had managed to win the Super Bowl, he he definitely would have been the MVP there, w- without a doubt. He was doing everything he possibly could, and Belichick and Co. tried to scheme him out. Uh, but he is just – he's a monster. He, he he is not of this earth. Yeah, I thought he would have a little bit more sacks this year uh, in total, but so far he's only got three. But the difference is is the constant pressure that he's putting on is almost as uh, effective as outright sacks as a whole because not only is he blowing up um, – not only is he blowing up just – the play schemes that they're trying to put on, but they're make he's making quarterbacks panic. So yeah, while he there are other players in the league that have more sacks uh in total, the amount of game planning you have to put in play just to slow this guy down so that you know he collapses pockets on his own. He causes running lines to go out of out of whack where he's just imposing his will on players enough that the you know running core has to then go off their line which obviously gives other parts of the defense more time to make up some of that lost ground so what he isn't making up in in stats he is making up for or more than excelling in in just impact on the game itself i'm sure we could probably find statistics for those things i don't know if they're measured or not but just the eye test when you watch him versus any other defense he is the single biggest playmaker on the defensive side of any other team I see you put uh, Alvin Kamara on this list. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, Alvin Kamara is on this list because he deserves to be on this list. He's having a stellar season in a team that's struggling to sort of find its identity. Um, He leads the league in both all-purpose yards, regular yards, touchdowns. He's an offensive machine. Anybody who went up against him in fantasy last week understands what the impact of him being on that field is, and it's not small. Uh, I lost by 50 points. I think anybody who went up against him last week also lost by large numbers. But on a team who's missing one of its stars in Thomas, uh, whose quarterback is struggling to kind of find his identity and – you know, become what he's been in the last few seasons. Uh, I think he is sort of the staple that, or the glue that's sort of keeping that offensive machine going. A lot of their wins or competitive games are a direct result of what he's doing. We'll see how that balances out when Thomas comes back. But I mean, arguably he's the best running back in the league right now. And when he's now not only a, a threat behind the line, but is also out catching balls and putting up yardage every game, can't argue. I mean, it's it's tough to argue against. He's got to be, he's got to be on the list. If you have a crack at that guy in fantasy next year, I don't care what the consensus preseason rankings are. He's RB one, and he's probably yeah. number one overall. Um, yep. it, as long as Drew Brees stays with that team, he's going to be the focal point of that offense. I understand that there are other people who might catch passes, uh, but it's it's the guy with the grill for sure. Uh, my other surprising one. 
just to, oh yeah, go just, ahead. Just to throw it out, Dak Prescott. Yeah, I know that's going to draw some uh, some weird looks and some some questions amongst the audience. But um, despite their record, he is leading the league in a lot of things, including accuracy. He's completed six, uh, 96 of 143 passes, which is a league leader. Um, passing yards to- in total, also a league leader. I would put him right behind Ryan uh, and the Falcons as being one of the most frustrating things to watch because he's gone up against better teams than I think the Falcons have. You know, teams like seattle and have made them competitive but he he isn't enough to make up for the failures on the defensive side which uh russell's kind of in that same boat except he puts up enough points that he can overcome some of the shortcomings on the the defensive side of the ball so uh, i think from a quarterback perspective compared to the rest of the league Dak is up there in the conversation. If they could shore up that defense a little bit, nobody would be questioning, you know, whether he deserves to be on this list because he is there. Now there are other quarterbacks who are having stellar seasons. Like uh, Josh Allen is one we should consider because he's doing some, some phenomenal things. Uh, But Dak's got the numbers At, at, as of this point right now, he is one of the better players in the league. And if his team turns it around, that should start reflecting in their week in, week out performance. And uh, Jerry Jones, pay the man. I, yeah. I don't understand how you're, how you're at this this year where you just want to pick up an option or you know franchise tag someone. Like you do not want to get in this scenario where like the Cowboys, let's say they go uh, eleven and five this year, um, or or even twelve and four, and Dak says, "Yep, I'll, I'll sign a contract extension, but it's two years, and the total is one hundred twenty million." Yeah. What is Jerry Jones going to say? No, no way. You could never do that. All right. I, I think the last player we have to talk about underneath top five, we all know who it is. It's Patrick Mahomes. There is something about this guy, the fact that he just learned to read NFL defenses midway through last season, the fact that he's been a Super Bowl MVP and an MVP in back-to-back seasons, the fact that he's worth half a billion dollars, the fact that congratulations to him and his wife. Um, they have a child on the way. Like, Everything about this dude, like everything he touches turns to gold right now. I understand his name might be Patrick Mahomes, but it's like Patrick Midas. Because what can Kansas City do except mm-hmm. just allow the guy to be exactly who he is, which is a harbinger of destruction upon every other NFL team? If you can find a way to keep a game close enough, you have a shot. But if not, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's third and 20. Other teams collapse when it's third and 20. Mahomes on third and 20 says, we have the wasp play. And I beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl on it. I can run for 20 yards on a third down. Any fourth down that's less than, than 10 yards, he's going to complete. So yeah. he is one of the most fascinating players. Um, yeah. And I I don't see how he he's not one of the top five players in the NFL right now. Oh, definitely. And I think keeping him, you know, this, this list that we gave you guys isn't in any particular order. This is just what we feel is the top five. And because we all know that he deserves to be in the list, we figured we'll just, you know, throw him in at the end there, but um, he's not an afterthought. He is by far the leader of maybe everyone second to maybe Russell. Um, 
I do think that team's got some weaknesses. Obviously, the Chargers exposed some of that. We'll see what happens. You know, he's going up against one of the best game planners in all of NFL history this week, and we'll see if they find ways to kind of expose some of that. But I think win or lose going into the season up against the Patriots, sorry, this week up against the Patriots, uh, he's still, I think, up there as either one or two i think lamar's up there we didn't leave lamar off of here that was just we can't fill up our top five with the people that are obvious top fives uh wilson and mahomes are two obvious ones so we'll give you guys those um but we want to bring other names in here that are actually leading leagues not just the eye test the names you hear about all the time um but yeah great top five uh honorable mention has to go to uh a one philip rivers philip freaking rivers he's currently rocking uh outside the top five but an honorable mention he is currently rocking the highest completion percentage in all of football on a colts team that while is not bad is another one of those that's still sort of turning into what it's going to become they had lots of turnovers over the last uh or lots of qb turnover over the last few years they haven't had anything consistent there as those guys have moved on or gone out with injuries or unexpectedly retired so um we give them a little bit give that team some time to flesh out its own identity and f- see what we actually have in rivers what we have on that offensive side if they can only get a little bit better but yeah we've been preaching accuracy so far for the last few weeks and it's going to be the the tone the league takes on you know as we continue to be a passing league so you know shout out to him he's uh kind of making himself uh, making a name for himself or more of a name for himself showing that indy made the right call there so yeah honorable mention to a a, a mr rivers all right. That was top five, top five NFL players right now. Obviously, you can see them every Sunday night. Um, and I'm glad that uh, Brent Rippian didn't make this list as an honorable mention for you know coming out <laughs> as a third string quarterback and, uh, and winning his, his Thursday night football debut. But all right. Yeah. We're, we're going to go ahead and head out here. We, we want to thank, again, all the fans from around the world. This is an international podcast for the people. We are getting downloads from countries that I didn't think that would be listening to us, but we definitely thank those people for listening to us. And we will be providing, I guess we got to provide some more international sports now. You know, we, 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 we got to get in on it. Yeah, I was hoping to get cricket lined up for some of this, but uh, I don't know enough about the sport, so I'm in the process of learning and getting educated so we can speak a little more intelligently on it. But another thing we left off of this show that we're going to tackle next week is, you know, we're still waiting for some of the details, but uh, the Titans-Steelers going into this weekend. I know you guys are going to listen to this and say, where the hell was that story? But it's still in the process of being sort of fleshed out. A couple more Titans players just tested positive, so now we run the risk of what happens next week because we're now closer to that seven to 14 day quarantine list which uh seems to be making the rounds uh globally now in some other yep. news uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week on the nfl recap once we get a better picture of who what how long and an idea of what this could mean for the league because uh it seems very much like this might be the the first domino leaning heavily into that second domino and you wonder how long they're all going to hold up before the whole thing comes down so We'll figure it out a little bit more. We'll get some more news, and then we'll bring that to you guys next week. Let's, we're going to shoot for a, an early an early podcast, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Awesome. All right. Again, thanks to all the listeners for the Stats and Matter podcast, and we will catch you next episode. Cheers, guys.